Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 447. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, just Lorraine Sink. <laughs> Not just. There is no just Lorraine Just Sink. Lorraine. <laughs> that should be the name of your sitcom. Just Lorraine. <laughs> and it's me just walking through a series of doors and then waving. I like this. It gets real weird and creepy and esoteric. <laughs> That's me. Uh, if you're just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever. Uh, first things first, how are you? What's going on? Tell me something fun about Florida. Last night, I was thinking of you because my friend Brian and I, not my husband Brian, but my friend Brian, uh, we were talking about if Golden Girls were Marvel characters, who would be who? And I knew that this was a topic that you and I should talk about because we both super love Golden Girls and we both obviously love Marvel. So my question is, Sophia, more of a Nick Fury or more of a Wolverine? Because she's so little and there's that famous gif where she like lifts up her purse and then like snicked. She has like little bone claws. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I I would give her. I I like Wolverine as the answer because she's she's older. She's seen some stuff. She's been through some Picture stuff. Picture it, Canada, eighteen hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, that's good. I like that. Who do you who do you choose for Blanche? Because Blanche, you need someone who's ready to clown. I think you either need you need Black Widow, uh-huh. or like an Emma Frost. I was thinking Gambit because one, <laughs> there's a Southern, but a different Southern. That's so true. Uh, also like just ready to get down. No, Gambit, that's very, that's very right on. Um, Dorothy, I kind of felt like she could be the Bruce Banner because I mean, she is constantly annoyed. Yes. Also think about maybe an Iron Man <gasps> because yes. the smartest, the most capable the like the quickest wit like the sassiest will like get everybody's back but also like deal on them instantly and make fun of them yes 100 percent. and obviously betty white just has to be squirrel girl oh, yes. <laughs> rose nylon <laughs> bless her heart <laughs> oh yeah all right but then you need you need a stan so who is stan uh dorothy's <gasps> ex-husband creep <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to say Hawkeye because he's kind of pointless. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It stands. Yeah. He's like, you know, he will go bald someday. He will have a big paunch, you know, like he's going to look like Stan eventually. Although I would like him as like a Professor X, X type character. <laughs> <laughs> but the real question is who's miles oh you know the, having watched so much golden girls the thing that always drives me nuts is the early episodes when miles isn't miles he's a oh, different right. character and then they change him to miles <laughs> miles being uh roses uh, on again off again boyfriend sometimes fiance just kind of a wonderful tragic i know romance. they had such a crazy story yeah. i watched the episode recently where like dorothy makes out with miles right before him and Rose get engaged or when when they are getting engaged. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, hmm. Miles. He's sweet. He's kind of dumb. Jarvis? <laughs> <laughs> I was good. I guess Captain America is sweet, but he's not dumb. Oh. But like, yeah, can you imagine like Cap as, as, as Miles? He's just sort of like, okay, Rose. <laughs> I would like to see an interpretation of Captain America in which he's just like, all right. Uh, so that's our fan casting for <laughs> Golden Girls of the Marvel Universe, which I'm super duper into. Hey, if anybody out there thinks they also have Golden Girls fan cast for the Marvel Universe, please tweet them to us because this is something that is completely all I want to think about from <laughs> now on. Me too. Hashtag This Week in Marvel at Lorraine Sink at Agent M. Give them to us. A uh, big fan. Huge fan. Oh, also, okay, let's talk about what's really happening in Marvel this week. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It premieres the seventh and final, final season uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday on May 27th at 10, 9 central on ABC. What a long road we've we've traveled. This was like the first Marvel television show and now it is wrapping up. It's wild. I know. I still have photos from that that 
like interview session we did with a couple of the cast and the producers way back when, you know, like there's so many memories. It's so fun thinking about it and how long they've gone. And this previous week, we just heard about two new casting announcements for the final season. Yeah. Patton Oswald has been on the show many, many times, but uh, he's going to be back this season, which is so cool. I love him. He's such a huge Marvel fan, and he's so funny. He's so good, and he's so... That dude does so much. Oh like, we watch the Goldbergs, and so he narrates the Goldbergs, and, like, you know, he's got his books, and he's got the stand-up, and he's got the TV show. Man, doesn't slow down. It's he's great. a busy boy. We also announced that Darren Barnett is going to be in the first episode of Season 7 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., It's still kind of highly classified. Darren Barnett, of course, is on Never Have I Ever, which is on Netflix. Um, So he's going to be on the show this season. So stay tuned for that one when you see it on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, And if you need your appetite whetted, go over to social media and (laughs) look at Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett's Instagram feeds because they've been posting some cool pictures of the series, of the season, behind the scenes. Everybody's just like constantly in their feelings because man, oh man, oh man, oh man. It's a wrap up of nearly a decade of work, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I always think about that when these shows end, whether it's, you know, Marvel's Agents of the Shield or we would watch Modern Family and that just wrapped up 11 seasons and, you know, all these shows going for so long and these people who work together, they're so closely tied to each other because they spend, 12, 13 hours a day, likely, with people, and then it's just gone. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy, because even though we only see them a few times a year, like when we do a set visit, or we do press, or we're at an event together, but I'm so used to seeing them all the time. Um, It's going to be weird to not hang out with them, like every Comic-Con, to have Elizabeth Henstridge come over and be like, let's take a selfie. She's also been terrific during quarantine on Instagram. She's just (laughs) posting like her, like being goofy and silly and just wonderfully like fun and and vibrant. And lots of good fashion tips, too. I take them all. I have have taken all her fashion tips to heart. Good. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Another really cool thing that happened recently was that Marvel won a Webby for Today in Marvel History. It's the People's Voice Award for uh, Today in Marvel History, which is an animated series of videos that we did on our social channels. Huge, huge, all the credit goes to Adrian Cowan, who yes. put this all together, senior social media manager. She's amazing. And, you know, we did this for the 80th anniversary. You can watch them on all of our social pages and marvel.com and, and YouTube and stuff. But I'm very excited and very proud of her and the team for putting this together. Yeah. Oh, also, I wanted to shout this out. Ryan Minerding has been posting some cool art on his Instagram account, which he always does. He's in visual development for Marvel Studios, and he does a ton of character design and different work on the films. And he posted some images from Spider-Man Homecoming that is referencing the classic Amazing Spider-Man number 33, lifting up the rubble triumph of uh, your inner workings. How do you say that? The triumph of the spirit. There we go. Anyways, they're really cool images. And also his his uh, work is amazing. It's Ryan Minerding. Minerding is spelled M-E-I-N-E-R-D-I-N-G art. So that's Ryan Minerding art on Instagram. Go check out all of his stuff if you love Marvel Studios films because he puts up so much cool stuff. Heck yeah. Also on social this week, we have another new Marvel mission, which is, of course, like Marvel social team comes up with something fun. We want you to put together something Marvel using household items. And this week it is the arc reactor made with safe household items, which I'm sure there's so many cool ways that that gets done. So many fun people. I think I have some of those little lights that, you know, you stick on places and you tap them. I'm going to make one. And I'm, I already ordered little tap lights and some tape, and I'm going to make a little video. It's going to be great. I'm also l- like emotionally in turmoil because of the Battle Royale. So on Marvel <laughs> social media, they have been posting this Battle Royale, and it is basically they're putting favorite characters head to head, and then people vote for them on Instagram and Twitter, on social media. And... It's really messing with my brain because they're putting up characters that are so big up against each other. So like Emma Frost went up against Jean Grey, obviously Jean Grey won, but now Jean Grey, how dare you, Jean Grey versus Iron Man. And I look, I've been tracking it because I'm very emotionally invested 
and Iron Man won on one platform and Jean Grey won on the other. So now I have, but I don't know who, how many votes for each. So I'm dying to know who actually won the battle royale between the two of them because they are two of the most, you know, Iron Man, I think people love, especially because he's been in so many films and Jean Grey is such a classic character that everybody loves from the comics. So I'm kind of like, who wins? Who wins? Wow. Uh, Let's go through some of these matchups. So it was Venom versus Miles Morales with Venom winning, which I was a little surprised by. Kitty Pride versus Ms. Marvel with Ms. Marvel winning. I'm like, that one's a really tough one. I know. I know. It's really rough. Also, this one, Iron Man versus Captain America. Iron Man obviously won because we just talked about that. But, I mean, that's wild i it's just so hard to pit those two characters against each other and then of course you had spider-man versus deadpool which makes sense they're very similar in many ways yeah. but of course spidey they're, spidey won spidey yeah won. they're best friends it's fine uh wolverine versus cyclops no competition wolverine won this one i'm sure easily oh here's and another then, one that like tore yeah. tore me up inside hulk versus captain marvel I love Captain Marvel. She's so important to so many people, and yet the Hulk one, but he has a longer history, so I get it, but I didn't necessarily love it. No shade to the Hulk, but he says three things. <laughs> Dep- well, you know, maybe, well, maybe depending people on were thinking, like, uh, you know, maybe it's Professor Hulk, and then he's wearing that weird tank top all the time. And he's got his, like, two female roommates. Yep. Uh, and then the last one, last matchup was Storm versus Thor. I do not approve of this one. Nope. Thor won. I would take Storm over Thor all the time. That is me. I'm saying it right now. I agree. I completely agree. And uh, Spidey versus uh, Wolverine went up head to head. And thank goodness Spider-Man won. I was really worried. That's, that's a tough one. I mean, he's so many people's favorite character, both of them, you know? I mean, Spider-Man is the greatest character of all time so i'll be interested to see who wins yeah if you want to catch up on the marvel battle royale just head over to marvel social pages they're all over them and you can vote on whichever is the latest matchup fui, 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 fui. guess what what's that i am soliciting comics solicitous <laughs> comics are here today july yeah. solicits are in the bucket i always try to like wrap my head around what do most people understand about this? Like the the thing that we're talking about is like the comics that are coming out in three months. And the the background of it is how comic stores order their comics. And we end up making it a cool thing because we say like, here's announcements, here's new comics, here's things that are coming out. And now we have stuff that we know what's coming in July. Comics are back in action and it's happening. I'm doing a little dance right now. You oh, were. It was I- great. <laughs> rules don't define me anymore i work at home i wear pajamas i'm wearing fake eyelashes right now because i'm doing a shoot later i can do whatever i want nobody tells me who i am i don't wear shoes anymore and those are the july solicits (laughs) all right okay july solicits uh here's some stuff that is coming in uh july on the 15th that is 2020 So we have 2020 I Wolverine number one. We have Empire. It's here. We're ready for it. It's going to be scrolls and crees getting bucket nuts. Uh, And then we have giant size X-Men Magneto number one. Like he needs a giant size X-Men. He's a giant size jerk. And Spider-Woman keeps on being Spider-Woman in number two. Yeah. Finally, a second issue, baby. I know that book is so good so fun we just had i I just talked to carla pacheco the writer she was on um marvel's pull list with me and tucker talking about some x-men comics and just she's fantastic she's a hoot and a half uh but later in july on the 22nd we're gonna get the prelude to amazing spider-man sins rising which is a really cool storyline that's gonna get dark and dangerous for old spider-man uh more empire crossovers then a new issue of star wars dr afra which is awesome we're um hoping to have Alyssa wong the writer of star wars dr afra talking to us about the book on uh, marvel's pull list as well Ooh, yeah and then on the 29th of july we have x factor number one we have more empire titles we have iron man 2020 number five which i know that you guys are going to be looking forward to plus uh some new star wars books Ugh, it's going to 
be some good times. But of course, you know, if you want to read more of those full previews of July comics, you can check out the full list at marvel.com. Yeah, those are just some highlights from each of those weeks. And, uh, you know, we're not stopping at July. We are also telling everybody about what's coming in August. We mentioned Maestro, I believe it was last week, which is a new comic. Then we're also getting Fantastic Four Antithesis, which is a brand new Fantastic Four story written by Mark Wade with art by Neil Adams. So like legendary comic book creator Neil Adams. He's worked on a ton of stuff. I think this is the first full Fantastic Four story he's done for us. So it's it's pretty exciting. What's the antithesis of the Fantastic Four? Like the zero heroes, <laughs> the bo- bo- boring three. Great, perfect, nailed it. Oh, you know what else is coming in August? New Mutants. It's a film. Remember that? Yeah, baby. Uh, new Mutants has gotten a new release date, August twenty eighth. So coming this summer. Uh, hey Ryan, what are your recommendations for New Mutants for anybody who wants to read some comic book before they see some movie? Yeah, so uh, I, I was looking at the the team that has been shown in the previews and the trailers and everything. So you got the classic team of Rain and Sam, Danny, Roberto, Ilyana. So that's like the youngest, like the original, mm-hmm. more or less core group. So I would say start with their first appearance in the New Mutants graphic novel by Chris Claremont and Bob McLeod from 1982. That's uh, Marvel graphic novel number four. And the tone, based on everything that we've seen so far, seems really dark and creepy. Uh, So I would say go to the original run of the New Mutants, the, you know, mid-1980s. And you could start at the beginning, and those issues are a lot of fun, but it's not really dark. It's more like teen angst, superhero-y stuff that Claremont was great with. But if you go to issue number 18, that's when artist Bill Sienkiewicz jumps on the book. That is also the start of the Demon Bear saga, widely regarded as one of, if not the best classic New Mutant story. And it is dark and it's weird and it's creepy. And I think that's probably the tone that that is the tone that I get from everything I've seen so far. And it's also a great friggin' story. Yeah. Yeah. And there I mean, there are a ton of New Mutants uh, comics on Marvel Unlimited. So should Definitely go read them over there. I think the entire New Mutants run from 1983 to 1991 are there. Plus, I want to shout out um, Marvel graphic novel number four. I reread it recently, and it's really great. And it does like such a great job of explaining the whole team, giving them great origins, and throwing them into uh, what's going on and why and the whole premise of the book. So if you can get your hands on that, especially through your local comic book shop, that would be the bomb because it's great and and it is on marvel unlimited and this is the tricky thing because it's called i I think in marvel unlimited it's listed as the new mutants graphic novel not marvel graphic novel number four um which makes it a little confusing so they they pulled out some of the graphic novels from the series of ogns we did and just like put them in mu it got really confusing i was looking for it for far too long until i found it but if you want to support your local comic shop I would say go ask them for the New Mutants Epic Collections volumes. They have, um, I think we've printed three of them, and they're really cool. Or we put out a series called New Mutants Classic, which collects like 40 or so issues of the run, plus uh, a couple of their other early appearances. It's really, really, really good. Yeah! All right, that was uh, some great New Mutant stuff for you. Let us know if you check it out um, and what issues you're digging. But now we got to get into a little conversation we had with editor Jake Thomas. Uh, If you remember a couple weeks back, we had Nick Lowe on the show who shared with us some letters they had gotten for Spider-Man. And we also talked to Jake Thomas, who was editor of Deadpool. He had gotten some letters for the Deadpool series, and we thought it was really fun to have him help answer those of course he would have to get the answers from deadpool himself but you hear all about that when we talk to jake hi jake hello it's jake jake how are you guys jake 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 Jake, 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 Jake. we're good we're great uh we're even better now that we're talking to you hooray it's so good to see your virtual faces jake you've been at marvel what like 10 years right yes it will be 10 years july 5th Wow, the fireworks are all for you, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. So let's kick it off with your Marvel origin story. How did you get into the world of Marvel? Well, uh, I actually didn't read comics until college. I was an English lit major, 
and I had some friends who would hear me complain a lot about how I didn't like contemporary literature, and a friend of mine, Sean Ryan, <laughs> who worked at Marvel for a while and now writes comic books, uh, amongst other things, uh, said, you know, all the stuff you say you wish modern literature had and the American romantics did that you love, sounds like you would like comic books. And he gave me a bunch of comic books to read, and uh, I became totally obsessed and never looked back and just sort of dove full force into the world. So what you're saying is instead of English lit, you needed lit English. Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Lorraine. That was tremendous. Uh, Jake, what were some of those books that you got obsessed with at the beginning there? Well, I, I uh, did a big dive into all of the classic sort of uh, Vertigo stuff, Sandman and Preacher and Transmed and all that. But that was also right around the time, it was a, a few years into Ultimates. And so I read a whole bunch of Ultimate stuff that was just Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. So that'll date you. <laughs> or me, I guess. Uh, I, I was in college during Ultimates and the uh, Whedon stuff and just uh, the Grant Morrison stuff. All of that I, I sort of just went really, really big into. And then so how did you get from just discovering comics to actually then working in comics? Well, uh, it was Sean Ryan. He had interned at Marvel and then worked at Marvel and then moved out west to L.A. to uh, do some TV stuff. And um, I had done a bunch of theater with him. We had a, a sketch group that I was the head writer on that he wrote and performed in. And uh, when he was out in L.A., he heard that they were looking for an assistant editor and knew that I had a day job that I wasn't thrilled about. And he said, you know, would you be interested in editing comic books? And I said, yes, of course. Uh, and so he just sort of let Nick Lowe know that he had a friend who was interested. And... Um, there's actually a pretty big, and particularly at the time, there was a very big contingent of Marvel editors who were theater people. So the fact that at the time I had a day job, but I was still trying to do a bunch of theater stuff, um, writing and producing and acting and all that. So I had a lot in common with a lot of people at Marvel, and I was doing nothing but eating and digesting stories for a living while also having day jobs. And so, um, so yeah, they brought me in for an interview, and I test edited some scripts and did the usual sort of back and forth there and then they they brought me in i love that because i also came to comics somewhat via theater i just loved comics because i'm like this is like a, a mix between a movie and a theater script where i'm watching like a little play in my mind because everything is visual but it's also scripted and there are there is like a really large secret group of theater people in comics oh yeah big time what are some of the books that you started working on and what are you working on, you know, most recently? Well, when they brought me on, I was in the X office with Nick Lowe. So we were doing Uncanny X-Men. Uh, it was the like Kieran Gillen and, and Matt Fraction era. I worked on S.H.I.E.L.D. with Hickman. And any X-Men book, basically, at that time, I was I was probably on at one point or another. Uh, but then I, I've worked in every office at Marvel, so I've worked in pretty much every flagship title in some way. And now I have ended up back under Nick Lowe after working for every senior editor <laughs> at some point. Uh, <laughs> and so when I'm now in the Spidey office with Nick, uh, where I do a lot of the street-level stuff. I do Deadpool and Punisher and Iron Fist, all that kind of general new era defenders titles are my bailiwick. And I'm so glad you mentioned Deadpool because Ryan had this wonderful idea. He wanted to hear some of the letters that are coming to the editors. Yeah, because Lorraine, you and I and, and our amazing producers, we've gotten some wonderful letters from our listeners just saying that the podcast has been a great thing for them as they're, you know, whatever they're going through these days. And, you know, we all know how important comics are for us to get through our day to day. And Jake, you and the editorial staff get tons of letters for the various books. And so I thought it would be really cool right now to make sure we can share some of these amazing letters. So we put the call out and uh, you had some really cool ideas and, and options because uh, of the Deadpool of it all. Is that correct? Yeah, we have our new Deadpool book, which is uh, Deadpool has become the king of the monsters, which uh, their kingdom, they've taken over Staten Island. And so for the letters pages, we've been doing royal mail to King Deadpool uh, and been answering as King Deadpool. 
Um, and we also have a website set up called kingpool.love, which you can go to <laughs> and is the official website of Staten Island slash Monster Island. And you can send letters in there as well um, through the website, which is pretty cool. Oh my gosh, everybody go send a letter. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming you guys get a ton of letters, you know, after an issue comes out or just periodically over the course of a month. How do you pick and choose what Wade answers in the book? Well, I'm a lunatic, so I try, I honestly try to do every letter. You know, most of these letter pages have been two pages long and we still have a giant back catalog of letters. Uh, I will say, particularly because the website lets people just poop out <laughs> any little thing they want uh, that sometimes we get a bunch of emails that are just hi or chimichanga uh, I don't necessarily answer those because <laughs> the, the one word letters I, I tend to sort of address at the front of saying if you said hello hello that's 25% of our letters now <laughs> onto the others um, but but any 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 letter that's a full on letter unless it's unless it's insane or has something that doesn't really uh that we can't print. <laughs> I, I, I try to get all of them in. So then once you have them, who actually answers the letters? Deadpool answers the letters. Oh, yeah. You put out a call to Wade Wilson himself. We do. We do. Some people have commented that Deadpool's voice in these letters sounds a lot like mine. But that is pure speculation. Madness. <laughs> All the, the titles have an email address where people can send letters. So if any of our listeners want to send in letters, look in your comics. Look in the most recent issues of your, your comics. There'll be an email address where you can send in letters. And and hopefully we could do this more with more titles and more of the staff and, and do some um, letter reading. But I think we should get into it because we have a couple of letters that you've pulled. And Jake, I know... You'll answer, but I, I understand that you've already run some of these by Wade so far, and, and he's he's given you some answers. Is that correct? All answers are are blessed by King Wade Wilson. So, yeah, I, I have full authority of the kingship to answer these letters. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to know the king. Uh, Lorraine, why don't you kick us off by reading the first letter? I would be honored. Okay, here we go. Wade! Can I call you Wade, or do you prefer your royal highness? Anyway, I am stoked beyond belief that you are finally king of the monsters, which I believe is long overdue. Note, that's not a dig about your skin. I would never call you a monster. I just think it's cool. Anyway, who's your favorite monster you now rule over, and which one would you be kind of okay with Craven Jr. taking out to pasture? Thanks. Hope you don't get eaten again, Jack. All right. Um... Well, the obvious answer for who is Deadpool's favorite monster that he now rules over is Jeff the Landshark. Jeff the Landshark is everyone's favorite, everything. So that's kind of a given, but also kind of a boring answer. So I, I asked Wade, if you couldn't pick Jeff, who would you pick? And he said Quonian, part of his new Knights of the Roundish Table, because Quonian doesn't talk. And Wade is the merc with a mouth. So they sort of have a nice buddy cop vibe of the not talking <laughs> one and the talking one, which makes sense to me. And then Deadpool assures me that he does not want any of his uh, uh, monsters put out to pasture. But if one of them had to go, it would probably be the prophecy monster because those guys are a real pain in the <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you haven't met them yet, readers. So that's a fun uh, stay tuned for uh, for the Ooh. prophecy monster, I like that. All right, we've got another one in here. It's it says, "Hey Deadpool, great job in becoming our new monster king. I just want to ask you, how do you accept sacrifices to you, our Lord and Savior, Michael? Cash, check, or credit cards, Michael? That's the answer for how we <laughs> how we accept sacrifices. You can feel free to mail those in to Marvel, uh, care of Jake Thomas as well. I will, I will happily process <laughs> any and all sacrifices. Yeah, J well, Jake will be sure to get those right over to Staten Island and mm -hmm. to the King ASAP. That is so generous of you, Jake. Well, I'm a giver, so. <laughs> right. Here's our next one. Dear Deadpool, you are a fool. Get off Staten Island. Nobody has ever cared what happens to Staten Island. In fact, a lot of people think the monsters are an improvement. Get back to goofing around with Spidey and the lesser X-Men X-People and being your morally ambiguous killing self 
where you save the world one dead body at a time. Your most unfavorite fan, Steve. Well, Steve, uh, at least your sign-off is true. Uh, has no one ever cared about Staten Island? False. They gave us the Wu-Tang Clan. They are a generous and uh, uh, honored part of our country. And uh, people think the monsters are an improvement. That That is true, obviously. The monsters are an improvement <laughs> to Staten Island. No one can, can claim otherwise. As far as goofing off with Spidey and the lesser X-Men, uh, Spidey, you might have to wait a bit for, but... Hopefully, once the the gears of comics begin turning again, there's an amazing issue of uh, Deadpool with the X-Men in Deadpool number six that I think you will like quite a bit. And uh, the killing will obviously continue apace, etc. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, here's an, uh, a letter from Angus, who is 11 years old. Angus says, your majesty, seen all your movies, and I'm a big fan of yours. <sighs> Angus, just a note. Majesty is spelled with a J, not a G, but you're 11, and now I feel bad that I've called you out publicly. So thank you for liking the movies. Uh, I hope you're also liking the comic books. They're pretty fun. You should give them a read, except you're 11, so I'm a little curious about you seeing our movies and reading our comics. But you know what? Hey, it's the modern era. You kids have the internet. God bless you. So, uh... uh Go for it, man. <laughs> Read those comics. <laughs> I guess if Angus's parents are, are letting him do it. Sure. Why not? You know what? I, I think uh, Angus sounds like a very mature young man who's probably yeah. able to fully uh, discern the difference between reality and illusion. So, you know, uh, expand your mind, Angus. Uh, read and consume all kinds of media, including Deadpool. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right, we've got this next one. Kingpool, your timing is perfect. I just happen to have been looking into some old Marvel monster action lately. Along with the monsters in Immortal Hulk and now this, I also started delving back into the Monsters Unleashed trade paperback. I'm just in a monster mood lately. Sometimes they can be better people than humans. I dig what you're doing. Keep it up. You got this. Hey, drawn to comics family. Billy Gorski... Glendale, Arizona. Billy, I agree with you. Monsters are frequently better people than humans. And I love that you're feeling that monster vibe. I'm a huge monster fan. Uh, and I love the Marvel monsters in particular. Uh, if you're going back into those Monsters Unleashed trades and stuff, uh, might I also recommend a one-shot that came out last year, Marvel Monsters Number 1, which was written by Cullen Bunn, who did that new Monsters Unleashed run that was awesome. And uh, there's some amazing monster pinups in there by a murderer's row of just awesome, awesome artists. And the editing on that book is also pretty good. <laughs> that was Deadpool talking, not Jake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've got one more letter in here, and this reads Dear Mr. Kingpool, sir, I am absolutely loving your new book. I have been a big fan of yours for a long time, and not that it really means anything, I give this book my seal of approval. I am so happy that I jumped onto this book, and I can't wait to see all the cool stuff you do, but you need to do a backflip by the end of the second arc, otherwise off my pull list you go. And may I just say that I am a huge fan of Kelly Thompson, so seeing her work her magic is wonderful. Thank you to everyone making this book possible. You guys are all royalty to me. Hail to the king pool. Jordan Chiapetta. Jordan, thank you so much for your letter. Your seal of approval means a great deal to us. We are mounting it in the office right beside the official seal of Staten slash Monster Island. And um, as far as the backflip goes, I am not sure if we had Deadpool do a backflip in those issues. <laughs> but I will say this. There's a lot of Elsa Bloodstone in Arc 2. And Kelly is very very specifically, explicitly clear that she wants Elsa flipping as much as possible and even provides ref for some of Elsa's greatest flips from the past. So does Deadpool flip? Jordan, I can't guarantee it. Does Elsa Bloodstone flip? All over the place. You're going to love it. So I, I hope you really enjoy those issues. And Kelly is 
Wonderful. What a delight.、Uh, she's been amazing, as have been all the artists. We obviously had Chris Pachalo starting us off, but then we had Gerardo Sandoval taking over, and Gerardo's amazing. And、uh, that issue number six, X Men issue I mentioned earlier, is Kevin Labranda, who is killer. So,、uh, yeah, thank you for, for hailing the team there as well. They're, they're pretty, pretty awesome. You are pretty awesome, Jake. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and reading these awesome、yeah. letters. Thank you, guys. This was a blast. All right. Big thanks again to Jake. And of course, keep reading Deadpool. New issues are on the way for that series. It's going to be awesome.、Uh, and now we have a question for you guys. Our question of the week in light of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returning this coming week. Tell us which character has had your favorite growth character arc as these many, many seasons have gone on and on. Who has your heart? Tell us using the hashtag this week in Marvel. Email them to us at twinpodcastandmarvel.com or send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. I'm going to say Grant Ward. <laughs> Grant Ward. He got to play like five characters though because he was Good Ward, he was Bad Ward, he was Hive, but he played like a ton of different characters. He kept dying and coming back, dying and coming back. But you know what? Them's comics. Slash TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Simmons may be it for me. I think she's、I、just had such a great art. I love Simmons.、Arc. I also, I have to say, one of my favorite objects on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of all time shotgun axe. What、Ooh. a s- just silly, ridiculous thing that Mac was like, I'm going to put a shotgun with an axe and I'm going to kick everybody's butt. I just love it. And he's so big and so handsome and amazing that he just pulls it off. It's just like, look at this. He is a, he's very pretty to be near. <laughs> All right, it's time for community. Our first tweet is from Megan McCabe at Miss Megan McCabe says, I know hashtag Annihilation Scourge ended a while ago, but I literally just finished reading it. So good. I was wondering if on This Week in Marvel,、uh, Agent M and Lorraine could do a deep dive into the Cancerverse because it's so weird and I want to know more. Hashtag make mine Marvel.、Um, this tweet makes me so happy. So happy. And Lorraine, this is something we've been talking about a lot. We, we love requests for the show. We want to know the things that Marvel fans are curious about. Maybe they've read like one thing and like this is what we're here for. So, dear listeners, if you have a like, if there's a story or a concept or something, just a general Marvel request that you want us to dig into, please tweet them or email them to us at this week in Marvel,、uh, the hashtag or twinpodcast at marvel.com.、Um, but Yeah, we should do a little bit of a dive into the Cancerverse. And Lorraine, I figure the best way to do that is to probably call the editor of those comics.、Uh, it was like Realm of Kings, Thanos Imperative. I think that's it. What do you think? Yeah,、um, I, that's Bill Roseman, right? Yeah, of course.、Uh, Bill Roseman is a friend of the show. He was、uh, editor for Marvel Comics during the time period of the introduction of the Cancerverse in the Realm of Kings. So that's round about 2009, 2010.、Um, he was working on a lot of the cosmic books. At that, that whole, like, pretty much that last half of that decade, he was doing lots of really cool stuff there. Now he works for Marvel Games, but、uh, he's the man with lots of info about the cosmic stuff right now. All right, so let me、um, call him on my telephone. Beep boop, bop, beep bop, boop boop. True Believer Headquarters, your man at Marvel speaking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill. Lorraine and. Agent M, what a、nice. pleasant and wonderful surprise. It is,、uh, it is our pleasure.、Uh, Bill, we have a request <laughs> for you from one of our listeners on This Week in Marvel. They,、uh, they want to know what is the Cancerverse?、Uh, like, can we give them some information on it? And because you were the editor at the time where the Cancerverse was introduced, I figured you'd be the perfect person to tell us about it. Well, that is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad the,、uh, the comics that I helped. Bring to the world are still being remembered by people. And I love that、um, both readers and creators are, are going back into the vault and picking stuff up. And that's actually what led to the creation of the Cancerverse.、Um, by that I mean, when I was working with、uh, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning,、um, and all the great artists on the cosmic books, we had you know, Nova going on and Guardians of the Galaxy, and then we were doing our various events. Part of our goal was what was done with the very first Annihilation event, and that is 
that all the creators went back into the marble vaults and brought back all this great sci-fi content that really hasn't, hadn't been seen in the comics in decades. Uh, a cosmic resurgence um, in the comics was really back in the 90s when you had a Silver Surfer book and a Quasar book and a Guardians of the Galaxy book. And then kind of in the 2000s, a lot of the cosmic stuff just went away. People were focused on just on different areas of the universe. And so the first Annihilation event really reminded people how cool these characters were. Um, so we really were just following in their footsteps and then figuring out how do we re reintroduce them to people um, in a way that will make the characters accessible and modern. You know, sci-fi at its roots is either holding a mirror up to what's going on right now or looking ahead. So many things in sci-fi should always act as some sort of metaphor. Sci-fi should always be presenting questions and poking about what's happening right now in our lives, whether, whether it's about technology or, you know, social issues of the day. So that's the key to good sci-fi is and cosmic stories is not only to use all the cool characters and locations and items, but to always think about what are we trying to say with them? What do they mean to us? So it's a long way of saying that at the end of the event called War of Kings, which was a big battle between the Shi'ar and the Kree, um, they were having this big battle and, and our characters were caught in the middle. And when we made War of Kings, we were really uh, inspired by the Game of Thrones novels. This is before the Game of Thrones TV shows. But we said, let's do a story where it's two, you know, uh, sci-fi kingdoms going to war. And what happens? What happens when kings fight? What happens to all the people that are on each side? And um, that's actually where we got the name of War of Kings. I was in the bookstore and I saw Game of Thrones, Clash of Kings. And I said, ah, War of Kings. <laughs> so at the end of War of Kings, this big Terrigen bomb, a T-bomb, was detonated. And it ripped a hole in space. And, and Dan and Andy called that the fault. And the goal was, in ripping this hole in time, space, and reality, we originally wanted to bring back a bunch of cosmic characters that were from alt realities, not the main Marvel reality. So, for example, Archon and Chris Star, uh, the original Deathlock, all these cool sci-fi and cosmic characters that existed in different realities. And we're, and we're thinking, how do we bring them all together in our reality? So we came up with the fault. And, we, and the goal was characters could come out of that fault into our universe. Fast forward a few months down the road, we then had the idea to do uh, this Realm of Kings. That's, that's what it was. Realm of Kings was really looking at what the fault did to the Marvel Universe as a result of the end of War of Kings. And in that storyline, Dan and Andy did this great, story where uh, Quasar, Wendell Vaughn, disappeared into the fault, and we didn't see him for a while. And then eventually he came back and basically told everybody, it's horrible, don't go in there. And they came up with the idea for what we, we in shorthand, called the Cancerverse, and we intended to have another name for it, but the reason they called it the Cancerverse is another goal we had was to bring back Thanos. He hadn't been seen in comics in a long time, in years, and we wanted to bring him back in a cool new way. And Dan and Andy proposed the idea of, you know, Thanos is all about bringing death, bringing death to our universe to impress his love, Lady Death, the death persona. And we thought, what would be the antithesis of what he wants to do to our world? What if there was a, a reality where there was no death and life ran amok? And that's what this cancer verse was. It was just they're, the way they explain it to me is like, hey, here in England, like in the summer, your garden goes crazy. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And so that was the idea that in that universe, there is no death. No one dies. And life just keeps replicating. And it becomes this nightmare. And that's what, you know, when you think about cancer, that's what it is. The, the, the cells replicate and there's no stopping them. And it's, you know, and it's this horror. So... That's where the idea came from. And then we did this great story called uh, The Thanos Imperative. We were shooting for a real 70s sound uh, <laughs> for that event, um, like Day of the Condor, um, <laughs> the Parallax Agenda. So it was, it was The Thanos Imperative. And the idea was the only way to stop the people from the Cancerverse coming into our universe and destroying us all was we had to, um, the hero said, we have to basically drop a bomb on them. 
We have to take a bomb into the Cancerverse and detonate it. And that bomb was Thanos. And so the idea was it would be really fun to do a story where instead of constantly fighting Thanos, the heroes had to form an alliance with him and take him on this journey, kind of this um, Fellowship of the Rings journey, and take Thanos into the Cancerverse and unleash him onto the the people that live in the Cancerverse, which we were calling the Revengers. There are these evil versions of the Avengers led by the original Captain Marvel of their universe who never died. Um, at the end of it, of the Thanos Imperative, Star-Lord Peter Quill and Richard Ryder Nova stayed and sort of sealed the door. They stayed behind. All the rest of the heroes came back. They left Thanos there, and they stayed behind to make sure that Thanos stayed, and the door closed behind them. And it was really sad. Everyone was like, oh, no, there's this page where where Rocket goes to this statue. That's in honor of of Star-Lord and Rich. And Rocket says, oh, Pete, why did you have to be such a hero? And that was our end of our cosmic run. That was the note we wanted to go out on to tell this big, memorable story, uh, bring back all these cool characters, and shine the spotlight on Peter Quill and Rich, the two characters that kicked off the initial Annihilation. So we wanted to kind of bring it all home and tie a bow on it. And we were so happy years later to see creators um, look at our stories and bring storylines back. And that's that's always the goal with creating stories at Marvel. You you pick up toys that other people created and you pay homage to them. You do something new. You put the toys back, back and then you hope the cycle repeats itself down the line. It's like Toy Story. You, you, you play with the toys, you put them back. <laughs> And then someone else comes and, and gives them life again. There you go. There you go. Megan McCabe, you're all set. So, Megan, thanks for writing. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm going back to uh, tidy up my little corner of True Believers headquarters. Lorraine, I, I think Bill has like that slot of knowledge, and that is really perfect for the introduction. But I think what struck Megan was the recent stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know... We know there's even more Cancerverse stuff out there. How about a little little reading list for anybody who wants to dig in? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, check out Realm of Kings and uh, the Thanos Imperative, which Bill talked about. But then that storyline, the Cancerverse, reappears in Guardians of the Galaxy 18 to 20 that took place in 2014. It was part of Original Sin talking about how Peter survived the Cancerverse. What a spoiler. You guys know that. It's been like a, a lot of years. Yeah, but uh, and and the the important part there is Peter survived. He came out, but Rich Ryder, aka Nova, didn't. Which was right. like that was such a it heartbreaker. Was a sad. Yeah, which fortunately got picked up three years later in the volume of Nova that came out December 2016 through June 2017. So that pretty much that whole run, Nova one through seven, is Rich Ryder coming back. It's really creepy. It's really weird. He is dealing with the effects of having come out of the Cancerverse. And it's like how and why and what came back with him is sort of the driving force for that run. And it's really, really good. And last but not least, Annihilation Scourge from 2019. Obviously, very recently, uh, the Cancerverse tries to invade the negative zone. And that's two bad places that make you feel bad. So bad versus bad is bad. But fun. That's math right there. All right, we've got a great email in here from Peter Norbot, who says, I caught your last podcast and you said if any readers have any letters printed to let you know. I'm here to inform you that I have had not one, not two, not three, but six letters printed. I'm going to base this on how lucky and fortunate I am, not to mention forever grateful to Nick Lowe and the Spidey office. Peter continues to say, here's the list below. Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number two. Amazing Spider-Man numbers 5, 14, 26, and 38. And The Amazing Mary Jane, number six. These are all relatively recent comics uh, that Peter is listing. And he goes on to continue saying, Spider-Man is my favorite and Mary Jane is my second favorite Marvel character. The recent Amazing Spider-Man is a godsend for me. All of these letters have one thing in common. The love, support, and character growth with Peter and Mary Jane as a couple. Call me a hopeless romantic, but that's where the real stories live. Sure, you can have superhero fights and action, but have you read Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man number 13? Just dialogue between two characters that are destined to be together. It's good stuff. 
Peter goes on to say, honestly, in times with this COVID-19 thing going around, I think that's what keeps the world spinning in a good way and not out of control. The love that people have for each other, the support people are giving, especially the medical personnel all over the world, the growth it will give to people during and after when this eventually is over. That's real. That's what people really want to hear about. That feeling only amplifies the thrill of web swinging between buildings. Anyways, hope this email brings a smile to your faces. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Peter Norbutt, a.k.a. the Chai Town Spidey. Oh, man. <laughs> that made me have feelings. That's why he gets the letters printed. You know, he's good with the writing bit. I know. All right. Next up, we have an email from Jason Kim. Dear Ryan and Lorraine, aloha from Hawaii. May I ask if you guys can give a big shout out to my local comic book shop, Dragon's Lair in Hawaii. They're celebrating their sixth anniversary this coming Sunday, May 24th. Please continue to keep up the great work and have fun on the show. And please stay safe and healthy. We will. And I, I know um, Jason had tweeted some pictures that uh, Dragon's Lair had opened back up, which is great. And he's been picking up some comics. Uh, so if you find yourself in Hawaii, definitely go check it out. I, I feel like Jason has said so much about Dragon's Lair to us over the last couple of years. I have to go there. If I ever <laughs> visit Hawaii, I just have to make a trip to the shop. It's going to be great. If I have to. <laughs> uh, we've got another email in here. This one is from Aaron McCoy saying, hello, H&M. I really wanted to thank Marvel for what it's done, and I wasn't sure how to do that. But I listen to Twim every week and pull list most weeks. I figured I might as well write to you in the rain and thank you guys. Thanks for providing entertainment and information week after week. I appreciate that you guys have the inside scoop and you share it with all of us. During this quarantine, I find entertainment in Marvel Comics, podcasts, and other media. Thank you for mentioning Marvel Unlimited's free comics on This Week in Marvel. If you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have known anything about it, and I would still be here, all sad and having to pay for comics. I appreciate all the news and information that you guys talk about, and I'm extremely grateful to you and all of Marvel for what you do. You guys are the best. Sincerely, Aaron from Utah. Man, what good what a bunch of good eggs this week. Just sweet, good Seriously. delicious eggs. <laughs> We're gonna eat up all them eggs. Aaron, thank you so much for that one. That's um great. And Lorraine, we I, I think that's a perfect way to mention that Marvel Unlimited still has free comics. Mm -hmm. There's been tons of free issues available to read. Yeah, it's also just wildly easy to do. You can go to download the Marvel Unlimited app on your phone or mobile device, and then you just literally download it, open it click a button that says free comics and then you read free comics it's extremely easy yeah and there's a lot in there you could you could spend a good week reading those comics all right next up we have karis pollard agent of girl at a karis pollard says this week in marvel question of the week what i'm looking forward to for the summer having new physical comics in my hands again just a couple of weeks to go and hopefully some weeks later displacing these pigeons as calamity comics main customers all oh, Get out of here, pigeons. We don't need you. She posted a great picture of uh, of the, the outside of the shop with them dang pigeons. Rats with wings, you know? All right, that wraps up this week's show. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to the Blue and Golden Girls, Florida's most extreme mutant team. Picture it. I don't know why it makes Sophia sound like she's a, like Joe Pesci. Picture it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>